With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Oilers, Penguins tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show. Game at 7 here on 6.30. Chet, Tristan Jari, Penguins goaltender, former Edmonton Oil King, is 10-5 and on the season. In December, he's 5-1 and with a 9.55 save percentage, three shutouts, and a 1.31 goals against average. Amazing numbers. He, the uh, Penguins took him in 2013 in the second round, 44th overall. Here's Jari on what he's learned playing at the highest level. Uh, I think just working on my practice habits, that was a big thing turning professional hockey. Was There's a lot of games and a lot of back-to-backs, so it was just managing your body and making sure that your practice habits were good for when you get the chance to play. Jari, another excellent outing against Calgary a couple of days ago. Uh, Kelly Rudy's coming up in two minutes, and he'll let us know about that game. NHL tonight, Islanders lead the Bruins 2-1 in the third, also in the third. Tampa Bay is up 3-2 on Dallas. The Flyers leading Buffalo 6-0. Jack Eichel not playing tonight for Buffalo. 6-0 Philly in the third. Third period, Kings leading the Blue Jackets 2-1. Ottawa up 2-1 on the Predators. That's in the second period. And also in the second period, Winnipeg trails Chicago 1-0. Flames and Canadians just getting underway. Three other games still to come as well. Earlier in the show, for the off-topic topic, I said you can let me know your best or worst sports-related Christmas gift that you have ever received. You can text or call 780-496-0063. We had a couple of texts earlier. We had uh, the uh, guy who uh, correctly guessed his brother was giving him a Ryan Smith poster, so the brother never gave it to him and hung it on his side of the room, so our poor caller had to look at it all the time. That was kind of heartbreaking. Dave Leppard says on the text line, best Christmas present I got as a kid was an Anaheim Mighty Ducks winter jacket. This was in the early 90s when the team was new and those jackets were all the rage. Were the Ducks an expansion team or did they relocate from somewhere? Dave, they were an expansion team. An Anaheim Mighty Ducks winter jacket. Wow. Robert says, I just remembered the year Dad got me a pair of high-end custom-fit CCM tacks. He laughed because I put them on right away and walked around all in them all day with, with my new skate guards. That is a good one. Got the new skates, wore them all day with the skate guards on. 
Daryl says, I received an NHL table hockey game for my mom and dad back in the 70s. Canadians and Leafs on the jerseys. My friends and I wore the game out. That is awesome. Arlen says, Reed, best sports gift at Christmas, a Hockey Hall of Fame Glenn Anderson jersey signed by Glenn Anderson. Wow. That is awesome stuff. So those are good ones. We had a couple of heartbreaking ones earlier in the show. Those are more positive, memorable sports gifts. Kellen, what about you? Anything wrestling related? Not like what rest- if I got you tickets? What if what if I came into work okay. for the Monday's game okay. and I said, Kellen, here's a lifetime pass to WrestleMania. Oh, that'd be a dream. <laughs> that'd be a dream come true. That'd be a dream come true. It's not wrestling related, but I got a Sacramento Gold Miners jersey way back in the day for Christmas. A Sacramento Gold, Gold Miners jersey. jersey. I still have it. From the Canadian Football League. That's Did right. it have a name and number on it? No. It was not David Archer. It was not, no. Who was the only Sacramento Gold Miner I can remember. Who's worth knowing, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, he later was an Eskimo yeah, for that's one right. kind of forgettable season. Yep. A Sacramento Gold... Did you ask for this? No, it was... Uh, Given to me, I think my dad gave it to me uh, as a as a Christmas gift. NASA, but uh, it was at the time I think when the league was starting to phase out the American teams. So it must have been at like the end of the uh, either the ninety four to ninety five season. Can you I wear this it, so. jersey to work someday? It's small, like it's a. But I can bring it oh, okay, into. Yeah. I'll bring if it into work. It's uncomfortably revealing. Then please do not wear it. I, I can you bring, it bring it into work in. to show you. Yes, you should you bring it in. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. I'll, I'll bring it in. Uh, next couple weeks or so. How's that? Speaking of jerseys, the Oilers will wear their third jerseys tomorrow, the blue and orange. And I have Montreal and Calgary on here. The Canadians are wearing red, and the Flames are in white. I have not seen anything about perhaps this happening at Rogers Place on Saturday. I'll have to try and find out. It's like the 1989 Cup Final. It is, yes. Home team wearing white, and the Canadians wearing their uh, classic red, white, and blue here. On the road. This is obviously when I was a kid, this is how it was. But for most of hockey, it's been uh, dark jerseys at home, light on the road. Reverse tonight in Calgary. Have to find out what's going on there. Kelly Rudy, regular guest on Inside Sports every week, former NHL goaltender, now with the NHL on Rogers. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Reed. I've got to focus. I'm working tonight, and I love the holiday season. And uh, it's no different than when I was a player. I had to really put my uh, thinking cap on to get through a game because my focus was so much on the holidays and excitement with the family and all that and so I've got to do that tonight and Saturday uh, in studio in Toronto. All right. well I know you can do it. I know you can keep your focus Kelly. Don't think about turkey and stuffing and all that stuff. Stay (laughs) stay on target buddy. (laughs) Uh, Okay I'll do my best. Yeah. Uh, What what a week uh, in the NHL Uh, I mean Taylor Hall got held out of a couple games and uh, then a couple days after that he does indeed get traded to the Arizona Coyotes of course right in the Oilers division. They're having a good year. They're, They're a pretty high energy team as it is and uh, they add a very high-energy player. Does this this change the outlook of the division for you at all, Kelly? I think it does. Like, I've been raving about Arizona for a while now, and the one reason why, the one thing I go back to is Rick Tockett. I just think he's an excellent hockey guy. Uh, He's disciplined. He understands uh, a system and how to play the game properly. He's lenient enough 
with his players when he needs to be. Uh, he's not a tyrant, but he also demands a certain effort and a certain kind of uh, style of play. And so now you throw in a guy that can uh, change the game, and all of a sudden you've got a, a really deep team. They play a really great defensive style. And Taylor Hall can add to that with what he can do offensively because he's more skilled than most guys. Now, here's the thing, though, and this is why I brought up Rick Tockett, because Taylor Hall still has um, a little bit of the wild card in him in which sometimes he just tries to do too much by himself, and he can uh, create a lot of turnovers uh, or giveaways on his own in his own zone and at the other team's blue line. And, and that was been that was something that was uh, with him in Edmonton. And that MVP year, he was able to break it for the most part. But I noticed it this year again that he had sort of gotten away from from that, and he was a little bit reckless handling the puck. Now Rick Tockett, I'm sure, will continually remind him how to play the game the right way. Tockett's got a great touch with a guy like Phil Kessel, and so I do think this could be a, an absolute game changer for Arizona. Well, a good team gets better, and that's got to be such a, a morale boost to the locker room as well, knowing that, that that's the player you added. And nobody's going out. I mean, it's not like, oh, we got this guy, but, oh, I lost my buddy, or we lost a really good defenseman. Like, it's just a pure addition for Arizona at this point. Well, that plus, I think it takes some pressure off uh, Clayton Keller. That's the one guy that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. He signed the extension. And I don't know if he's feeling the pressure, which is not unusual for anybody. doesn't matter if you're young or old, but you sign a big contract extension, and all of a sudden you put too much pressure on yourself, and uh, they're not a high-scoring team. And, uh, you know, I thought at times this year he didn't quite look himself. So now you bring in a proven veteran like Hall, and it just sort of allows Clayton Keller to fit in wherever he's going to and just play his game and not worry about, man, I've, I've got to be the offensive spark plug here, and it's not happening. What am I doing wrong? How come I don't feel the same as I did last year? What's, you know, and you question yourself, and, and he doesn't need to do that anymore. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. Miko Koskinen has been a really good story for the Oilers so far this season. Kelly, he stopped 76 out of 79 shots. These two road games in Dallas and St. Louis did everything he could to hold the Oilers in the game last night, especially throughout the second period. You played that position. How busy did you like being even if you knew it meant your team was being outplayed. You know what I mean? Like, like you, yeah. you, you like being the, you don't mind being the star of the game and having a good game, but, but sometimes it maybe comes with that there's not much that your teammates are doing at the other end. Yeah, I, it's a fine balance. For sure you like uh, extra work, but you want your team in it, and you want your team to give you a chance to win, and it's all about the wins anyway. So, um you know, there's there's no question. Every goalie will tell you that when he's facing more shots, that he's he's feeling it. Um, I want to go back to Koskinen, though. Just focus on him. You know, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, Reed, but I think it was right around this time last year that we had the conversation about the extension. And uh, I'm watching the game last night, and I'm talking to my producer in Toronto this morning about him because we might do something Saturday night on Costco. And I'm thinking, you know, we were all saying last year that that extension uh, could prove to be 
uh, I don't I don't know if fatal is the right word, but a, a terrible contract for the Oilers. A year later, and I'm thinking, you know what? This might not be a bad deal. He's he's really improved. He's really proving to me uh, that he's put in the work. He's I said last year what I noticed about him. He's good at reading the play, so that hasn't changed. But he's improved his technique. And the one thing that really stands out to me now, Reed, is, is that how he battles. Like he's in there. He's in for the fight every night. And so I'm looking at that contract and that goalie now. I'm going hmm. This might not be bad moving forward, and you know what? All of us might have to at some point admit that uh, what looked ugly at one point might be pretty darn good for the Oilers. Yeah, he's been good. I mean, he had a couple of bad starts, and they were in a three-game segment. So the concerns were there. Is, yeah. is now he wearing down? Was you know, Are we going to get deeper into the season? But he's, I mean, he gave him a chance against Toronto, very good against Dallas, yeah. and, and did everything he could he could last night. I mean, that wasn't by any means a goaltending loss for, for the Oilers. So hopefully no. he keeps going. Now, no. he, he is playing more. It's probably going to get up to... I mean, if he plays two of three here before Christmas, I think that's going to be 11 of 15, I want to say, that he would start. So that's an increased workload. But um, Yeah, but he's what? Is he only 29 years old? Uh, no, he's 31. He's 31. Thirty-one. Okay. Well, still, you're in the the midst of your uh, your best hockey. I think most goalies reach their prime in around twenty-seven, twenty-eight. There's a, there's a few guys that reach their prime earlier, but and then you can go on a good stretch for five, six years, something like that. If if you're really truly at that level, so I don't really worry about the workload right now, anyways. All right, I got to ask you about another goaltender, a, a young man who helped the Edmonton Oil Kings win the Memorial Cup in 2014 and he has been awesome lately for the Pittsburgh Penguins Tristan Jari what did you see from him the other night oh boy he stole the game uh I really thought Calgary played an exceptional first period and they were only leading one nothing because of Jari like he was just so dialed in uh I had watched him live I think two or three times before and there were things I really liked about his game, but he's really matured. His game's really come around. He's 24 years old now, and the way in which he was able once again to read a play. I don't know if you watched the game, but there was a two-on-o with Dubé and Lucic in the second period, and and he read it just perfectly. I mean, he stopped Lucic cold. It was a give-and-go, basically, with uh, Lucic and Dubé, and uh, he was all over it. Like, he, he read that perfectly and even the the audience the people in the crowd uh recognized it like some people got up and cheered that's how exciting it was and so um if he continues on a run like this it's going to be awfully hard to keep it up at this level because he's so good right now he might be in the top three in the league right now but uh, pittsburgh has needed it because uh i think they really feel that Matt Murray's game has dropped off and they might have had a part of it because I think they they may have overworked him early because they weren't sure in fact how Jari uh, would handle it and or I I know there's even talk earlier that they thought maybe uh, Casey DeSmith DeSmith was the uh, the better backup so but Jari's proven that to be wrong all right Kelly before I let you go it is Christmas time if you could get the Oilers one thing for Christmas, now I want to specify one thing, what would it be? What would be in Santa oh. Kelly's bag? <laughs> uh, all right. Since we all believe in Santa still, and Santa does wonderful things and brings amazing gifts, 
Why doesn't Santa bring the Oilers a 40-goal score that costs them the league minimum? How's that sound? Oh, good luck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you're, you're really using the, the magic of Christmas there. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you know, I, I just... you might like that I, I should clarify here. You are not suggesting the Oilers go after Ilya Kovalchuk, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Just, just to clarify. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, they could use a little more up front. Uh, they, they, you know, the, the the penalty killing is still good, uh, but those guys yeah. aren't, aren't scoring a lot. But we'll see what they can do this weekend. It's going to be fun with the Penguins and Canadians here. Kelly, always a yeah, pleasure. All the best to you and your family. Merry Christmas, my friend. Same to you, Reed. Thanks. Have fun. That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, that'll be tough for the Oilers tomorrow trying to figure out Tristan Jari of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You want to go to the game? You have to answer a trivia question live on air. It's going to be related to the 2012 World Junior Tournament that was co-hosted by Edmonton and Calgary. So you may want to give that a quick Google. It's uh, it's going to be a question about a high-profile portion of the tournament. 780-496. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. 0063. Question and your responses after the break. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Flames with an early 1-0 lead on the Canadians. Kachuk with his 13th of the season. Oilers Penguins tomorrow. We're giving away a pair of tickets. We were talking World Juniors earlier on the show, so this question is related to the last time World Junior Games were held in Edmonton. That was 2012. Calgary and Edmonton co-hosted the tournament. The gold medal game was played in Calgary on January 5th. So for the Oilers-Penguins tickets, what nation won the gold medal in the 2012 World Juniors? After I say your name, you'll have five seconds to answer. Joe, go ahead. Hi, is it me? Yeah, Joe, who won gold 2012 World Juniors? Canada. It was not. Canada did not even make the gold medal game. Lori, go ahead. Lori, you're on. U.S.? It was not the U.S. Not Canada, not the U.S. Neither team in the final. Mo, do you know? Mo, are you there? I don't think Mo's there. Scott, who won gold 2012 World Juniors in Edmonton and Calgary? Sweden. It was Sweden. You got the tickets, but just to give you a chance to show off, do you remember who they beat in the final and the score? Russia won nothing. Yes! Scott, this is beautiful. You've made me very happy. Well, you made me happy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Have you been to an Oilers game this year? Uh, no. Have you been to Rogers Place at all? Absolutely. Okay, good stuff. Well, if you're there before the game, say hi in Studio 99. Hang on the line, okay? 
You betcha. That is Scott. It was one nothing Sweden in overtime. Zajenabat, the game-winning goal, 10-09 into overtime. Canada lost to Russia 6-5 in the semis, beat Finland 4-0 for bronze. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. The Flyers finish off the Sabres 6 1 is the final. Five minutes left in the first period in Calgary. Flames leading the Canadians 1 0. In the third, Islanders and Bruins 2 2. Overtime looming there. Also could be headed to overtime in Tampa. Lightning and Stars 3 3 with three and a half minutes left, though Tampa has outshot Dallas 45 17 to this point. Also late in the third, Los Angeles leading Columbus 2 1. Early in the third, Ottawa up 4 1 on the Predators. Brady Kachuk has scored for Ottawa. Matthew Kachuk has scored for Calgary tonight. Blackhawks leading the Jets 1-0 late second period. Late in the first, no score Hurricanes and Avalanche. Coming up later on tonight, the Wild play Taylor Hall and the Coyotes. And the Canucks will meet the Golden Knights. Oilers home tomorrow, 7 o'clock face-off, 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30 Ched. And then Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens. 3.30 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show, and the game will start at 5, another early one with uh, an Eastern Original Six team visiting. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference, your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 780-4-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Also, take note of this for the Oilers game tomorrow. Chuba Hubbard, star running back from Oklahoma State, from Sherwood Park will be recognized at the game in a special pregame ceremony. He's also going to be signing some autographs. Next up for him, a uh, bowl game against Texas A&M. That's in Houston on December 27th. He was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Consensus All-American status this past week. Uh, Was not a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Didn't win running back of the year, but uh, an outstanding NCAA season for Chuba Hubbard, and we will watch him closely. He's uh, could be playing on Sundays in a couple of years. That'd be pretty awesome. Someone from Sherwood Park doing that. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. You can reach out at 780-496-0063. That is the call to both text, or pardon me, that is the number to both call and text. If you're texting the old number, it's going to Brian Hall's flip phone that is underneath the cushions of his Chesterfield. Do you know what a Chesterfield is, Kellen? Yes. My parents had one of those. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) A Chesterfield. Did they have a hi-fi? Yes, they did. (laughs) I think the Chesterfield was right next to the hi-fi. Well, I think we still have Chesterfields. I, I believe that's just more of the English term. I believe they're called sofas now. Yes, or couches. There we go. My parents had, I don't think they still have it. It was it was the length of a of a average size table 
but it was probably only a foot and a half or two feet wide. They're hi-fi. So it had the lid on it, and it had the record player in there and a place to store your records, and you could also tune the radio in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had a massive cassette deck on it, too? No, no? it didn't have... No, no. It okay. would have been before cassettes, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It was just a record player, and, it, like, it probably weighs 250 pounds. Yeah. They're, they were heavy. It was not... It's not It's not like you just have your... It's not like you just have your uh, phone. Oh, I have access to every song ever recorded on my phone. No, and this thing, it, it took up a considerable... Well, again, it was, I don't know, five feet long? Like the, like the length of a... Not a huge kitchen table, but a average size kitchen table, maybe? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About the size of your and average barbecue not, now. Not that wide. No, it would have been... Well, I don't know. My barbecue's not that big. I guess with the flaps out. Right. Well, mine wouldn't be... My, my barbecue with the flaps out would not be the length of this hi-fi. But anyway, that's where my parents had, uh, you know, the ABBA records and uh, Mitch Ryder, Diana Ross and the Supremes, the Beatles. All the jams. Actually... Uh, here, a bit of a side note here. How I learned to read as a uh, young Wilkie, this would have been before Evansburg. This would have been in Alder Flats. And big shout out to anybody who knows where Alder Flats is or has been to Alder Flats. That's where I lived from where I was like when I was two till I was six. But my parents too, not just me. I wasn't on my own. <laughs> well, it's time for me to branch out on my own, mother and father. I'm turning two next week. Time to stake my own claim in the world. No, that's not what it was like at all. So, I had a, a record, a th- the, the 33 and a third size record, of a story called Charlie Brown's All-Stars. And I, okay. hope, I hope people remember this. You could buy, basically, kid stories, and you put the record in on the record player, and... Then it had the the book was inside the album, so you could flip along with the book, and it was illustrated, but it had all the text. So this Charlie Brown Brown's All Stars was about baseball. So because it was about sports, I really liked it. So I would always follow along with it, and that's how I. My mom always says that was a big step for me learning how to read because I was matching what was being said on the record to what was written on the page of the I book. I had a bunch of those too, yeah. At so the sound of the chime, turn the page. Yeah, I remember Basically that. what I'm saying, without Charlie Brown, without uh, a, a depressed child and his somewhat delusional dog who thinks he's a World War I pilot, without those two people, I may have been illiterate. <laughs> and without Lucy, the, the bully... Who was the kid with the blanket? Linus. Linus. Without this amazing cast of characters. Who was the kid that never, uh, never bathed? Pigpen. Pigpen. They always drew him with the dirt marks around him yeah. on the flight. Without that motley crew, so to speak, not the band, I, I, I may never have learned how to read. I just picked up uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas on Blu-ray, so all this is all fresh in my mi- mind right now. So. That's the, big the, L, the Big L writes in, he says, what really bothers me, Reed, is that I meant to text Brian Hall's flip phone lost in his Chesterfield, but it ended up on your text line. Good grief. That was from Big L. Who earlier wrote in something very astute. He says, the St. Louis Blues are a real hockey team. Great combination of size, skill, and overall team play. The Oilers did well with a 2-1 loss, but the desired standard of excellence was made evident. I'm sure Ken Holland took note. That is from the Big L. Well, look, I think it's pretty apparent over the last season and a half 
what the Edmonton Oilers are missing. And they may be missing a few things. You can you can talk about a, a lot of things. But I, I think the biggest problem this year, and it has been there in small bursts, but the biggest problem this year is not just su- support scoring, but support forechecking, creativity, skill, those type of things. Because I feel like even when the third and fourth line forechecks, they often don't generate a good chance out of it. Now, the depth players that Holland has signed with Shane and Archibald leading the way have helped the penalty kill. But they are still largely reliant on, well, maybe four or five players to score, which might be a slight improvement over last year, to be fair. Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Dreisaitl score. Cassian is definitely a support scorer this year, as is James Neal. Now, you know, he had most of his goals in October, but still he, he chips in every now and then. So you're relying on basically about four and a half players to score out of 12 forwards. You know, I think good teams can probably get to seven guys, maybe even eight forwards that have a realistic chance a realistic chance to score every night. The Oilers do not have that. They, they simply do not have that, and they don't have players who are playing with the tempo and checking prowess that the Blues have. Some of that might be experience. I think some of that is just the raw ability of the player. You know, I I don't think this is a coaching issue, same as I didn't think it was a coaching issue last year. And the two coaches, you know, had virtually identical records. Hitchcock coached longer than McClellan did last year. But, so, what is going to happen here over the next couple of years is if the Oilers are going to get, and a lot of things have to, you know, you have to still get good goaltending. Hopefully the special teams stay the same. They got to find a second line and at least part of a third line that can amp up the pressure and chip in some goals and and doggedly check like St. Louis did last night. Because St. Louis, they were better in the first period. I wouldn't say they were vastly better. The Oilers had a couple of good opportunities. They were vastly better in the second period, and then they were shutting it down in the third. Credit to the Oilers for the late flurry. Absolutely. But that was a perfect example of what the Oilers are lacking. My bad news to you is I, I don't see the Oilers filling all these holes this year. Uh, Phil writes in, and he uh, calls me Brendan. Phil says, uh, Brendan. Well, maybe he means this for Brendan Escott. Hate to break it to you, buddy, but obviously Charlie and his friends didn't do the job. Sounds like you're illiterate to me. LOL. Just kidding. Enjoying the show. Happy Christmas. I appreciate that. I'll pass that on to Escott. Can you sound illiterate? Because illiterate is related to writing. I'll make sure Brendan gets that message. possible to sound illiterate? We'll have to check into that. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Brian Wilde will fill you in on the Montreal Canadiens when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this- 
This is Armando Sewell of the MTS Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, Oilers and Penguins tomorrow, Oilers and Canadians on Saturday. Montreal currently trailing Calgary 1-0 as the first period winds down. Oh, the Flames just scored with seven seconds left. So 2-0 Calgary late in the first period. I think Lindholm whacked that one in in front of the net. The Canadians... Man, a few weeks ago, we were talking about them being in this huge slump. Better lately for the story from Global Montreal, Brian Wild. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's always great to have uh, have you on the show. And, of course, anybody who uh, was a former member of the uh, Edmonton Media Corps is always uh, welcome to join us uh, on Inside Sports. Pretty good chunk of your early career was in our fine city, was it not? Yes, exactly. The hard years. <laughs> there, the, there's a lot to learn to do this year. <laughs> but That's... we made it through. <laughs> and then we got out of where all the mistakes were made. Oh, well, you, you're, you're not giving yourself enough credit. But uh, no, I, 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 remember, uh, I remember watching you. Uh, and, of course, uh, all your coverage and all that kind of stuff. And that, was it straight to Montreal or did you have a stop in between? No, it was straight to Montreal. It was straight to Montreal, yeah. All right. And well, it worked out. I mean, it worked out. I got a chance to cover the Montreal Canadiens for some 25 years, so it worked out. Yeah, you could say they're relevant in their market. <laughs> yes. Yes, you could. You could say they're the only thing anyone cares about in this market, and it would be just as accurate. What, who would be – we're going to obviously talk about the Canadians, but I like these sort of chats too. What? Who's the number two team or the number two interest in, in Montreal. Wow, you know what? I love that question because for uh, a lot of years it was the Alouettes and then the impact took over. But last year the Alouettes were so exciting that I think they took over as the backup. It's, it's hard to know. Attendance-wise, they're about the same. So I kind of monitor, you know, Twitter and get a feel for it. But I'd say it's the Alouettes as the number two right now for the first time in five, six years. Well, that, that's nice to hear, and I gotta admit, they were, were pretty exciting to watch. And I, I thought they were they gonna, were. I thought they were gonna beat Edmonton in that East semifinal, but uh, I think Edmonton. And that's exactly what happened. It was just an excitement. It's sort of like, wow, this is fun again. And everybody who left when it wasn't fun came back. And and I would say, I would say last year, I would say they were even more fun than when they were hot and everybody expected victories because there was a complacency to the Calvillo years. You know, like, oh, yeah, the East again is ours. You know, so this was so dramatic and exciting and such an amazing turnaround that I think they I think they became the number two. Yeah, good to hear. Good to hear. Okay, so uh, Canadians coming to town on Saturday night. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, I, I guess i got to ask you about the, the, the two different Montreal Canadiens. I'll, I'll start by asking about the team that was 11-5-3, and three, and then mm-hmm. a couple weeks later, uh, they weren't. They were 11-10-6. They allowed six goals <laughs> yeah. in a game a couple of times. They allowed eight goals in a game. They allowed four or five in goals in a game several times uh, during that about two-and-a-half-week stretch. What was going on during that time late November, early December? There was one game against the Devils that they lost at home, which was their second time to lose to the lowly Devil this season already, that they allowed 13 odd man rushes. They allowed 13 two-on-ones, three-on-ones, or breakaways against the Devils. And the lowest scoring team in the league, or second lowest at the time, maybe it was Detroit, maybe it was New Jersey. (laughs) 
and they crushed them. I mean, they were just scoring goals like the Canadians were the worst defensive team in the league. But what happened was they wanted to play an aggressive style and were getting away with it. Um, because the back end is the weakness of the team for sure. If you just look at goals for and against, you see that they've been anywhere from 20 to 30 goals against, and they've been top 10 all year goals for. And so then they kind of just thought they were this high-octane, let's-have-some-fun team, and they stopped thinking about the back end at all, and then they just plummeted, and they were just horrendous back there. They weren't concerned at all. You had defensemen pinching in. You had when the defensemen pinched in, the forwards decided to pinch in too. Nobody was covering off. I mean, it was a mess. It was just an absolute mess. And then there was one night that they were just so horrible with those 13-odd man rushes that Claude Julien just realized that they had to play a different brand of hockey. So the brand of hockey that they're playing now, you're not really going to enjoy it. <laughs> like, as a fan watching the team roll into town, they went from high-event hockey to low-event hockey. And they'll try to play low-event hockey on Saturday night. It won't be the most entertaining game. But if you would have seen them early November, you would have said, hey, firewagon, this is fun. Well, th- that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, 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 it's not the most enjoyable brand of hockey to watch if you if you don't care who wins but if you're cheering for the canadians or, or you're cheering for and you know and the oilers they no, you're exactly right did the oilers have been able to win some low event games this year not all the time i mean they're, exactly they're good right. but yeah, uh, fans will take the win at the end of the day absolutely it's so well said it's so well said like if you're a neutral you're like oh brother the canadians the way they're playing now you know, let's find the Maple Leafs. <laughs> they're always fun. But, yeah, they're, and it, as a neutral, you know, you wouldn't be that entertained by them. And even the Oilers playing a lot tighter hockey under this new coach. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. 90% of the fans are going to say, I don't care if I'm entertained. We won. Put two points in the bank, baby. We're going to playoffs. Brian Wild joining us from Global Montreal. You, uh, you're right on globalnews.ca, the call of the wild, and uh, you had a quick little paragraph uh, about Carey Price. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll just read this. Uh, Carey Price, 38 saves in his last game, but no one will even talk about it, you wrote. Uh, tell me a little bit about covering Carey Price, the, uh, the expectations and, and the, uh, the chatter around this player. Uh, you know, again, you're hitting on everything that's really cool to me right now to talk about for sure. And Carey Price is like this $10.5 million goalie. And because he's the highest paid player on the team, everybody is that has a kind of a blue collar mentality when they go through their work day hates him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the white collar guys. It's 10.5. That means nothing to me. I mean, this morning, it's okay. I'm not worried about that. But the blue collar people that are the fans are like, I expect greatness from him for that money I pay him, even though I. I don't pay it all the time. So when he lets in a bad goal and you look at Twitter, it's like it's like he's the worst goalie in the entire world that ever played in the NHL. And then when he's amazing, and I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but his last five games, his save percentages are sort of like uh, 940, 9-6-0, 9-7-0, 9-3-0, 9-8-0. You know, he's allowed five goals in the last four games. And before that, he was putting in at about an 870 in November, which everybody likes to blame on the fact he tries to grow a mustache and he can't concentrate. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> but so 
we shaved it after Movember is over. You know, just like we're all grateful. Elliot Friedman shaved his. We're all grateful to carry Price because now he can save bucks again. So he's allowed five and four. His save percentage is something like nine six zero in his last five. But when he's amazing, do hear nothing about it. No one is interested in talking about him at all. It's the expectation. Well, he makes ten point five million. Of course, he's got a nine eight zero save percentage. This is a this is a fun little stretch here in Edmonton. Toronto was here last Saturday. Pittsburgh's here tomorrow. Even without Crosby, there's always hype around that game. The Canadians are here on Saturday. You know when the when the Leafs come through, there's there's the the chanting, a lot of blue jerseys in the crowd. Same with the Canadians. It, the, their Western road trip gets a lot of attention in those cities. Do, do the Canadians themselves? talk about this trip did you think they look at it when when the schedule i mean i always look when's calgary here when's toronto here when's montreal here those are the three i look at when the oilers schedule comes out is this is this western trip something you think the canadians players kind of circle and say hey we're going to kind of almost feel like the home team on the road or how would you assess that I think it has to do with the individuals more than there's a team concept there. Like, for instance, whenever Carey Price gets into Vancouver, that's a very special game for him because he grew up in Anaheim Lake, which is in northern B.C. So, for example, coming in is Brendan Gallagher. So that's a very special day for him because he was growing up for a large part anyway in Sherwood Park. So I think it has to do with the guys that happen to be from Alberta, the guys that happen to be from B.C., that it's really important to them. And they also recognize the importance of the fans. Like, I don't know the exact record, but I think the Canadians tend to do pretty well in Edmonton because they they do feel like a home team when they go out west sometimes. I mean, it's kind of... like Here's a question for you, actually. When Toronto rolls in versus Montreal rolls in, who has more fans go to the game? The Maple Leafs fans taking over? <laughs> the Oilers' home barn, or the Canadians taking over the Oilers' home barn? I would say the I would say now it's the Leafs, but probably Is for probably for most of the '80s. Well, the Leafs had some good teams in the '90s, but you know the Leafs had some pretty lean years, right? Where I think a lot of fans kept those jerseys in the closet, or maybe they weren't yeah. winning over new fans. And, you know, Montreal was still strong in the 80s, still th- strong through most of the most of the 90s. I, it's, there's, don't get me wrong, there's going to be a lot of Montreal fans there on Saturday. I think the Leafs fans now, though, are a little more boisterous at the games in Edmonton. Yeah, and it's good to see they're boisterous in one city, right? Because they're not in Toronto. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, well, we might, we might as well both take jabs at Hogtown, right? <laughs> Why not? I love how you got <laughs> that in there. Hear. <laughs> the, 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 see, that's what I like about you, Brian. You're always so, you know, understated and calm and polite, but you just get that little dig in there perfectly at the end. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks for doing this. It's always great to have you on the show. Appreciate the update on the, on the Canadians, and we'll talk to you again soon. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much for calling. Brian Wild from Global Montreal. I will join you at 5.30 tomorrow for the face-off show. I'll be live in Studio 99. Oilers and Penguins will face off at 7. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.